Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. In today's episode, we will get to know more about a treasury management solution, Integrity by FIS with Andrew Windows. Andrew is a senior manager at FIS with a deep expertise in one of FIS core products, treasury management system called Integrity. FIS is a behemoth in financial products and services and offers a broad range of treasury services and softwares. In the episode of today, expect to learn what is Integrity, one of FIS Treasury Management Solutions, who does it serve and how does it work, how does Integrity integrate with external systems and ensure data security and compliance, what's FIS plan for Integrity in the ever-evolving Treasury sector, how is FIS approaching real-time data integration and APIs, how does FIS use feedback to improve Integrity, particularly in customization features. And of course, much, much more. This episode is a bit the first of its type. Most of the episodes is about FIS and their solution, but we thought it would be interesting to deep dive into a treasury management system with somebody very knowledgeable about it from the very company providing it. So please let us know uh, what you think about it and if you'd like more of this type of episodes in the future. If that is the case, and when you're thinking about how you found our podcast, chances are that it was through word of mouth, social media, or a recommendation from your favorite podcast platform. And this is our only request to you. Please leave a review if you enjoyed the episode on your favorite podcast platform. It only takes five seconds. We'll help other people learn more about Treasury, discover us, and this would mean the world to us. On another other note, this episode is brought to you by Automation Boutique. Automation Boutique is empowering Treasury, finance, and risk management with tailored automation solution. They use robotic process automation, RPA, AI, APIs, and Power Query to create automations that can work with your existing systems. We partnered with Automation Boutique as we really like their approach to innovation and how they help the industry. For this partnership, they came up with an AI-powered automation self-scan that can help you find out if a business process is suitable for automation and how to best get started. It is totally free, non-intrusive, and only takes about 15 minutes. What's great is that the report you will get from the scan helps you determine if the benefits of the automation outweigh the costs. If you want to have a look, head to the link in the description or to automationboutique.com slash corporate treasury 101. With all that being said, please welcome Andrew Windows. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Um, we had a couple of episodes around treasury systems and treasury management systems, but maybe for the people joining us for the first time on the show and also to have a little bit of a refresher, can you maybe start by explaining us what a treasury management system or TMS is, please? Yes, absolutely. So a treasury management system is designed for a corporation to simply optimize cash and liquidity and minimize risk. So imagine as an organization, you have no access to your cash. You don't know how much you're holding in your bank accounts. A treasury management system will allow you to optimize that cash position, utilize the cash internally within your organization efficiently, and then 
manage the risk that your organization is exposed to. So taking away all that manual process and using technology to simplify your treasury organization. Okay, and maybe maybe a dumb question here, but why would companies need a TMS? Is that not something you can do on Excel or uh, such a stuff? Absolutely. So there's the obvious uh, example of manual error. You need to really get away from a process that invites manual error, but also you need to move towards a process that invites efficiency and productivity. So treasury structures that are running on Excel may spend a big proportion of their morning gathering information from subsidiaries, from banks, consolidating it into a spreadsheet, making sure it looks correct. You can get rid of all of that and have it all completely automated so that all that information is simply waiting for you. So you can then basically focus on the value-added process and the decision-making rather than that data manipulation. And are there like specific uh, challenges that uh, a company would be facing that would cause them to implement a TMS? So is it just scale or do you also see that you know, there might be some specific unique cases or industries where TMSs are more applicable than others because of a yeah, specific Yeah, uh, absolutely. So one of the obvious areas, um, there's a very big focus across every market on fraud and payments today. You need to be able to control that process. You need to make sure you know who can capture payments, who can authorize, who can visualize, who can approve, who can remit the payments. You need to have technology controlling that very carefully. There's also, I mean, all industries are relevant for a, a treasury platform, but, but certain industries may have a very high volume of subsidiary operations, for example, and actually it becomes completely inappropriate to try and reach out to all those organizations, know their positions, gather their information, and then return value back to those organizations, especially where they are more decentralized. So, but we, we have customers, you know, from literally two person treasuries up to multinationals. It is really about controlling the process, having visibility of your data and being able to make far better decisions off the back of that information. So I'm by guessing like each of those companies or treasury departments have like different needs and therefore there's perhaps different tools suited to all those different needs. Mm -hmm. Like what are the considerations that someone needs to take when they're selecting, you know, when they move, when they take that jump from Excel to a TMS, yeah. uh, how'd you go about actually selecting that? Yeah. What's the right considerations taken into account? And, and that jump can be quite considerable, you know, moving from something you're very comfortable in, in, in Excel, doesn't matter what job you do, you generally know how to use Excel. And then you're going to technology that maybe you've you've never seen before. So A, you must have a solid understanding of your internal process, which sounds like an obvious thing to say, but making sure that not only the treasury process, but the business process, what are the operations doing? What is their business flow? Do the operations even understand the exposures they're working with, um, or does that not come into their consideration? So really understanding that overarching business process but it's obviously got to be something that is fit for purpose based on size of organization. So when it comes to selecting a solution, what is your resource available for implementation, for redesign of process, for transforming that treasury function? So if you understand your business process and you understand the scale within your organization and the resource available for new technology, bringing those two parts together will typically determine the level of treasury platform that is suitable for your organization. But of course, the other consideration to have is 
how fast is your organization growing? What are your needs going to be next year and the year after? Not only today, uh, when we in FIS talk to the, the treasury market, we don't really necessarily focus on today. We focus on tomorrow and beyond and making sure that you're always going to be having a fit for purpose solution based on the vision of, of the business. And you touch upon a very interesting topic here, Andrew, because obviously when you get into the treasury world and start looking for treasury management system solutions or any systems, actually, FIS obviously comes quite quickly and on the top of the list. So could you maybe give us a, a brief overview for somebody completely new to treasury who has heard the name, but doesn't know much about it? Like who is FIS? What do you guys do? And mm -hmm. I feel there will be different sections. So let's first focus on treasury and see then how we can expand uh, to the broader financial world. Sure. So myself, I came into the FIS, FIS organization from the SunGuard acquisition. SunGuard being known back when it was an independent business for the, the provision of treasury applications and services. So within FIS, a lot of what we do is focused on treasury platforms, payments platforms, receivables platforms that facilitate and expedite the order to cash process. And the, the services around treasury payments and receivables, such as we offer our own Swift service bureau, we offer our own, um, short term cash management, uh, money market funds portal. We procure our own market data. We can offer lots of services around that core offering, but the core offering is this is effectively that circular flow of cash. So treasury payments and receivables. So any organization that has to deal with cash that has a bank account, which is probably almost every organization in the world, they have a need for treasury payments or receivables. And that's effectively what our organization is offering purely from that angle. And then there's a much wider uh, business offering beyond treasury within FIS. So lots of interesting terms here. Um... Could you explain us what a Swift Service Bureau is and what you also mean with your own market data, like all those specific points that I feel are valuable? What's, what do they mean and what does that imply exactly? Yeah, absolutely. You raise a very good point. You should not assume that uh, the, the acronyms and terminology is known by everybody. So our Swift Service Bureau, think of it as effectively a single pipe for connectivity from your treasury platform to any bank that's part of the SWIFT network, which today is the majority of banks that our customers work with. So what that means is you have a secure connection to every bank that you hold an account at. So if you want to automate the collection of your statements, if you want to make payments, if you want to validate the successful failure of the payments or send other messages that might be relevant to your banks, you have that single connection point where it is a treasury platform connecting to the Swiss Service Bureau. But the, the beauty of our Swiss Service Bureau is that it's our own architecture, it's our own service. So the Swiss Service Bureau is embedded into the treasury platform to facilitate communication for our customers to their banks. And why is that a good thing? Sorry, I'm being David Devin's advocate here, but I'm super interested in understanding why would it be relevant or What's the added value of having that Swiss service bureau embedded directly into your treasury management system? Absolutely. So there's, there's two reasons, really. One, from a service point of view, it's all owned and maintained by FIS. So the Swiss service bureau and the treasury architecture is just one supplier. 
So you come to FAS and that is the service that we are offering to our customers. So whether it's a problem with bank connectivity or you have a question on the Treasury platform, you just come to FAS for the answer. In terms of why would a customer do that? Well, when a customer has a range of banking relationships, it is far simpler to have one connection point. So the connection point is from the Treasury platform to the Swiss Service Bureau, which then opens up the connections to all the customer's banks. So if a customer then opens up a new banking relationship, maybe in a new jurisdiction or there's a new line of business, it's very, very simple to then onboard that bank because we're already part of the SWIFT network and we are just folding in another bank for that customer to then automate the receipt of statements and to be able to send payments. Super clear, Andrew. Thanks a lot for that. And to, to follow up on the other term that you mentioned, your own market data, what does that, what does that mean exactly? So obviously in the treasury world, everybody knows of what was Reuters, became Refinitiv, Bloomberg, the major providers of market data. We have a business within FIS market map business, which actually procures similar data from the market and allows the feed of that data directly into integrity, um, our SAS treasury platform. So what that means is customers don't need to go and have an external contract with Bloomberg or anybody else providing market data. They can simply use integrity and have a, an automated feed of market data via our market map service so that market data always exists within the treasury platform. So whether you're doing month end accounting, daily revaluations to market analysis, sensitivity analysis on all of your information, that data just simply exists as a standard to allow the customers to run all that process automatically. Sorry, back to the, what does all that mean? And I think we're going to come to it because we're interested into understanding more about FIS in particular, but it feels a bit like an all in, all in one service. So the treasurer comes, has multiple problems and rather than having multiple specialized systems and service providers and integrators and market data feeders and so on, can have everything in one place, which is what you just described. That, that would be a, a good summary? Yes, exactly. And it goes beyond the service bureau and market data. So we offer a, a money market funds portal, which many are surprised, but it's actually free to the customer. Um, so if customers have investment portfolios, they can use our money market funds platform to place uh, their surplus positions into their investment investment fund portfolios. We also have the ability to offer a confirmation matching service as an example. So for treasuries that have FX trades, money market trades, being able to automatically confirm those trades to match those trades and have visibility over all the unmatched activity that you may have agreed with your bank. So there is, as you say, an overarching service layer for uh, the treasury customer, but also then extends into payments as well as uh, receivables management as well. And would you say that's your biggest differentiator from your competitors, uh, Andrew? Like what's, what are the other TMSs out there doing mm -hmm. differently mm -hmm. to FIS? Mm -hmm. um, to answer it from the point of view of what differentiates us, I think it's the, the breadth of platform that can service a treasury customer. So there are very, very few vendors out there that can offer their own 
Swiss Service Bureau, market data, money market funds platform, confirmation matching, payments. You know, there, there's a very, very broad list of technology and capability there, which FIS offers. So there's a there's a very, very clear differentiator there. Um, also, we have um, a great degree of internal expertise. So we are run by business lines. So everybody within the treasury business just looks at treasury. And we have a very, very um, a significant advantage across all of those products and services so that we can service the customer across all those products and services within the individual business. So it becomes a very compelling offering for, uh, for the customer. But that being said, you allude to the fact that it's, it's a competitive landscape and we have to invest heavily in the services and, and in the platform itself. So we have very clear lines of direct investment, one into the infrastructure. So we have a global FIS-owned SaaS operations team um, that purely look after the integrity SaaS platform. So the, the, the investment into the platform, we have investment into the product itself, of course, as you'd expect, with a very clear roadmap, short, medium, long-term roadmap. And we also have direct investment in terms of our own resource and our vision for our delivery capability and investment into external support, such as through our partner network. Super interesting. How is that, how is that service offering that you have uh, at FS under changed over time? So the treasury, the role of the treasurer has changed quite a lot over the last decade or so. Uh, money is a lot more expensive today than it was even five years ago. Um, and so what we constantly talk about on this show is how treasurers are moving more and more towards a strategic role as opposed to just a risk management role, let's say. Has your platform like seen that same evolution along with the treasury world? And, and like where do you come from and, and what's the new philosophy for the latest TMSs versus what it was? Five ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a very good question. So, my background was treasury, and I remember when I was in treasury, the treasury remit was very very narrow: collect your information from your banks, make sure cash was utilised appropriately in the external market, and make sure you had an FX hedging program on the go. And it wasn't really much more than that. Now, uh, you know, in times of high volatility. Um, um, the expectations from a treasurer today are A, that the technology needs to be far more sophisticated, needs to be able to deliver immediate value. In terms of the actual delivery of that technology, the expectation is that the utilization of the platform is very, very quick. Treasurers don't want to spend two years implementing a treasury system. Uh, they want to be live on some part of functionality in a very, very short time frame. And the other aspect in terms of strategy is that we find treasurers now increasingly talking about a, a data strategy. So it's not necessarily just having access to the information. It's about how can technology support the consolidation of all of my fan, finance data. So there's treasury information, but also information from my AP and AR teams, from my accounting teams, from various other inputs that come from the financial um, organization. Um, and so having a data strategy, what that means is, can technology provide that solution that offers immediate real-time consol consolidation across lots of data sources so that use of 
data from many different areas can can be immediate and and that's really important that's important for the the treasurer but that's also important for our own strategy as well so making sure that we understand the vision of the treasurer and the treasury industry obviously directly impacts the roadmap and where our solutions go very interesting so where do you see that going in the future uh andrew and where's the trend for TMSs along with the trend for the treasurer's role? So we think we've forecast the trend. We think we're hopefully ahead of the curve. Uh, we've got a lot of strategic initiatives on the go. One is specifically that around the data strategy. How, we, how can we empower a treasury organization to define their own strategy around data? Where do they want to connect to? How do they consolidate in real time? And how do they use that invaluable external analytics, whether that's for the CFO, or whether that's for, for the treasury analyst. So we have a, a data strategy, which is a technology solution for a data strategy that will be released very shortly. The other thing we see very clearly is that everything today has to be delivered as a service. And what do we mean by that? We mean if a customer comes to us and says, I've got some banks in, in Asia, in the US and in Europe. They just want to connect to them. They just have to have immediate connectivity and they want that connectivity to be delivered as a service. If you have an ERP and you need forecast payments and accounting information flowing in and out of the treasury platform to the ERP, they just want to have it as a service. They don't want these big projects actually design how you're going to integrate, design the, the field to field mapping. It just has to be out of the box. So everything we're doing today is with service levels in mind so we want to create service as a culture and that it has to go across the entire treasury delivery for all of our customers so that's interesting because when you started saying that i thought you meant like they want everything subscription based like so the the whole uh you know sas bass everything else ace yes yeah. Uh, is uh, is uh, is is the the yeah. latest trend of the way the commercial uh, softwares are working nowadays, right? Uh, you don't really just yeah. buy a plug-in software. You you you're a bit of a software as a service uh, model. Is that yes. also something that you're seeing as well? And, yes. Uh, sorry, I I I glossed over that because that just is second nature to us. I mean that that's exactly as you describe. It's the 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 general market just want to subscribe and consume and that's essentially exactly exactly what we aim to deliver so it's uh you find that the technology is a good fit for your business um no upfront fees just SaaS subscription model um start consuming the the, the functionality and the services you need and, and and the other thing i should just add to that actually um is on top of the the SaaS commercial model there's also more and more demand for like a business processing outsource model as well. Not, not in every market, not for all corporates, but for certain sectors, there's the opportunity now to say, actually, the way you're doing things is not very efficient. You ought to look at outsourcing a lot of that and actually not having to worry about the operational side of things. Let let an organization um, deal with that. Let an organization who is good at dealing with the operational side of things process your data um, and your information for you. You just worry about your business side and, and the actual decision making with your own customers. 
Um, and that's something else that we're seeing high demand for. So outside of Treasury, what else does FIS do? Do you guys have you guys oh, that, other parts? To that would uh, that would take right? too long to go into everything. So we have there, there, there's basically three three arms of the organisation. So there's the capital markets division um, that we sit in, in in Treasury. Then there's merchant solutions, so offering everything that a merchant wants and all the acquiring type services and solutions there. Uh, and then we have our banking division. So servicing banks in terms of infrastructure and services that the banks may require. So it's very much banking, merchants and capital markets are the three elements of, of FIS. And then within each of those, there's obviously many products and services available for those uh, particular business lines. Awesome. And that's, we wanted to ask this question, Andrew, because just for people and us as well, because we didn't know, grasp a bit the size of FIS, which is one of the top service providers, software providers in the, in, uh, in the treasury industry, sorry, but also for the banking and you said, uh, merchant account, right? So super interesting. Now let's dive a little bit deeper into one of your particular solutions that I had personally encountered in my uh, former consulting life. We'd like to talk about integrity, which is uh, one of your treasury management system. Could you describe what it is and its primary functions? Who is it meant to be for and so on and so forth? Yes, uh, absolutely. So integrity is that software as a service designed uh, treasury architecture. Um, so there is no infrastructure required on the client side. There's no server requirements. There's, there's no IT requirements, essentially. It is literally um, a URL and the customer then has their own own database of information so everything is very secure and ring fenced for each individual customer um, but it's a multi-tenant application delivering treasury technology and that treasury technology can can range from anything from simple cash management cash visibility all the way to um, full in-house banking capability um, front office applications, back office applications, accounting, hedge accounting, risk analytics. And then on top of that, there's an inbuilt, uh, integrity built, um, BI tool for, for reporting. So not an external BI tool, a BI tool that integrity, our development team have, have, uh, produced for integrity, which actually enables, uh, users to report on any data across that entire, entire workflow. Okay. Um, first thing that comes to my head is, uh, is there something integrity cannot do, but, uh, let's, let's dive into this a little bit later. <laughs> um, so among, among everything you've just described, so that, that feels like covering most, if not the key treasury areas, right? What's a typical mm -hmm. mature treasury department will have to deal with. What's are the key features of that particular TMS, uh, that differentiate it again, maybe from other TMS solutions? And let's dive a little bit deeper into it later on, but even within FIS, like what does integrity do that we might not find in other TMSs or in a different manner, at least. Okay. So I think, um, I think simply the breadth, that's the first thing. If you want, you, you know, as, as I mentioned, everything from simple, simple cash management, but with embedded bank connectivity. So being able to understand the standardized market messaging market formats that banks will use to transmit information back and forth that is that is available uh within integrity having 
out of the box connectivity to ERPs via API. Um, that is standard connectivity out of the box. So having a lot of kind of, yes, you've got a, um, a standardized approach to treasury management, but what you also have is a standardized approach to connecting to lots of different data sources. And then as we were talking about earlier, having all those other embedded features, your, uh, your market data, your money market funds, your confirmation matching, the Swiss Service Bureau, all those other areas embedded into the workflow of integrity offers a very, very broad um, capability, which I, I believe uh, truly differentiates against the rest of the market. But then when you move into the more advanced and sophisticated end, you know, having the ability to define hedging portfolios, having the ability to utilize um, value at risk statistics, um, sensitivity and scenario, and making sure that when you're a much more sophisticated treasury, you've got the ability to really understand your risk profile and what you are as an organization truly exposed to. So it really gives that end-to-end -end treasury capability, but it also has within that um, natural standardized embedded um, connectivity to all the other external data sources that a typical treasurer would need. And is that, would you recommend integrity to a company of any size? Or would you say that it would be something that would be suited as of a certain size or complexity or revenue? Or... It, uh, we used to look at it from a revenue point of view years ago but now we don't because we've got some extremely large organizations using the integrity platform it really comes down to the degree of we have two approaches here one is um, configuration one is customization if the customer is happy to take a standardized approach to treasury and is happy with simply configuration approach to managing their requirements Integrity is absolutely the, the, the right solution. But as a lot of people are aware, FIS also have a secondary uh, treasury platform called Quantum. If a corporate is much more um, aligned to a customization approach where they really want to create a very, very bespoke workflow specific to exactly how their organization delivers certain part of their process, well, Quantum will allow you to be very, very customized and deliver exactly on that user's expectation so it's really that kind of trade-off between configuration versus customization and the other difference obviously between quantum is that integrity is a true SaaS application whereas quantum isn't but that's where it gives the user the ability to really define in a customizable way exactly what they need and you say it's not a SaaS Program. What do you mean by that? So Quantum is a either a locally installed application or is a, um, uh, a privately hosted application. So still still very much hosted, but within um, the architecture specific for the customer. Okay, very clear. Because uh, so my original question about the size, I mean, you mentioned a lot of time like advanced treasury departments. You said that a few times, and um, which sort of suggests that. I guess my question is not so much like would you use integrity or quantum. My question is, when do you move from Excel to yeah. integrity, or, yeah. or if that's the right solution for you? Like, how does a treasurer know? Oh, right now my treasury department's not using a mm -hmm. TMS. I should think about putting a TMS yeah. in place. So, your the point you're alluding to is exactly right. So, in the integrity market is getting wider at both ends. So, yes, we're seeing 
large organizations that would have had um, very bespoke treasury architecture and solutions now becoming much more standardized. So they are coming into the SaaS market. So you're seeing the large organization becoming more and more comfortable with a SaaS application. But you're also seeing at the smaller end, um, more and more smaller organizations believing they are now ready to adopt treasury technology because the SaaS application is now um, more affordable for that end of the market. It's, it's much more of a, a turnkey approach to delivering a project for a customer. So return on investment is very, very swift. So there's, there's arguments at both ends. So as soon as a customer feels that they are um, spending too much time collecting their banking information in the morning, um, they're spending too much time trying to get information out of some of their operations, well, then is the time to really embrace treasury technology and do away with all of that manual communication and have technology manage that for you. Then you mentioned that integrity is like the less customizable option that FIS offers. I'm guessing there's still some flexibility in the tool nonetheless. Yes, right? completely. Like, yeah. So um, what I mean by less customizable, there is one version. Being a SaaS product, there's just one version of the application. But that being said, because every customer has their own database, every customer can configure their workflow, their analytics, their process, their visibility, their alerts. They can configure whatever they need within that application. So there is not two customers on two different versions. We are only supporting the one version, but the customer has then the ability to configure exactly their process within that one version. And that's probably meeting most treasurer's needs then, I yes. guess. Like that level of customization. Because what other customization would you need other than that workflow? Is it just if like the business structure is so unique that you need to have a very specialized tool? No, it's, it's more or... it's more to say, um, so business structures and, and, and entity relationships that can all be accommodated. It's more if there is something in the product or some, sorry, if there is something that the customer wants that a treasury platform doesn't deliver, if it's outside of integrity, well, integrity delivers what it has within that one version. With, with Quantum, for example, there is the opportunity to say, I want to have that extra piece of functionality. Let's work together on creating that extra piece of functionality for the version that I'm using. And, sorry again, but digging a bit deeper into this, Andrew, because I think that's super interesting. Why would a treasury department seek further customization than what a well-advanced treasury management system already offers? Like, and maybe to, to put practical examples, because let's, let's think about the people completely new to treasury as, as we were a few years ago. Why would a treasury department say, okay, I need a high level of customization for that specific treasury function. Can you give us examples maybe, or like explain what they would Yeah. So in, in certain, um, countries of the world where there's very bespoke processes and very particular ways of doing things there may be um, the need to really create something very, very specific for their organization. Um, it may be due to um, local banking expectation is in terms of how they actually share information. Um, it may be around a very particular process that an organization utilizes that maybe 
has come from an inbuilt system. And actually, when the organization has become of a certain scale, that inbuilt system is no long, longer fit for purpose because it can't accommodate the scale. But that very bespoke inbuilt system, they still want to have a version of in the Treasury platform. So then, you know, we, we quite often talk to customers who IT departments have, have created their own sort of offshoots of Treasury capability. Maybe the organization still believes there's a lot of value in having what their IT department has started to produce. So then there's that discussion with the vendor, well, how much can you accommodate this in the standard offering that you have in your platform? And if, if there's something highly bespoke, do we have the opportunity of working with you to create something similar that will actually bolt into the treasury platform so that they can still continue in their utilization of the original tool, but it then just is supported by the vendor rather than their own internal IT team. Makes lots of sense. Also, thanks all for this. Back to, back to integrity. How, how does the system integrate and connects to other companies systems? I think you mentioned earlier, we touched upon the Swift service bureau. It would be interesting to dive a little bit into that in the sense of, okay, how does the TMS allow you to speak to the outside world, but also within the company, how does this whole thing works? So one of the ways is integrity comes with a very sophisticated middleware and effectively it's a transformation service that comes as standard with the, with, with the platform. And what that allows the user to do is to talk to any other system that has a structured file format uh, and that's sending information and receiving information and we typically do that over a host-to-host -host connection or otherwise known as a sftp connection so it's a very secure connection but what that what what we say is we one of the other areas where we differentiate is we never tell a customer the format of information that we must receive in order to consume that data we tell a customer, just generate what you can generate. It could be literally a CSV file, an XML file. It could be any sort of file type and any type of file format. And then all we're doing is using our transformation service to understand the content of that information. So it's a very flexible tool. And that means that we can actually integrate to a, a vast array of connection types and data sources, but, but in a very efficient way. So there's minimal effort required either on our side or on the customer side to use this transformation tool to read data or to generate data, to send information out to um, other, other platforms. So that, that in itself is, is a great tool, a great advantage. One of the other ways though, obviously, as the whole market is, is talking about API. So having API, like a suite of API connections out of the box. And again, talking about how we differentiate ourselves, we, we deliver API connectivity only when it's truly out of the box. So what we don't do is we, we don't deliver an API connection that's ready on our side, but then go and tell the customer they need to do all of the technical work on their side in order for the data to start flowing. Literally, when we say we have an API, there is probably a day or so involved just for testing the data flow, and that's it. And that could be to banks, to dealing platforms, to ERPs to, to a range of, of data sources. And so when, when preparing for this interview, we obviously thought about our, um, not colleagues, but the, the classic market data suppliers and, um, uh -huh. solutions, right? So Reuters and Bloomberg, but I think earlier in this interview, you mentioned that 
FIS has its own repository of market data and like live updates. Does yeah. this mean integrity or other FIS solutions only come with the the sovereign market data from FIS or can you still connect to Reuters and Bloomberg if that was the preference of a customer, for instance? Oh, yes. We have many customers using Bloomberg, Refinitiv, um, central bank information. It can come from a multitude of sources. We we have no specific preference. All we're saying to customers is if you, you know, obviously the like a Bloomberg, for example, has a great brand associated. If you don't need that brand if you don't want the bloomberg terminal you just need the data you don't need to spend so much money in procuring that data it's just going to be an automated feed on a daily basis and the treasury platform will then have the information you need for all of your accounting and reporting andrew um you're talking about a lot of data and i guess a lot of sensitive data as well that comes into that how what's your take around uh, data security regulation in different jurisdictions, GDR, GDPR, I get that right? Yeah. GDPR yeah. In, yeah. in Europe and, uh, and and likewise in other regions as well. Like what's your data integrity, data security, uh, a policy or? System? Yeah, we have, uh, FIS is one of the most security driven organizations that I think you're probably likely to come across. And that's because not only do we have a lot of corporate customers we've got extremely large financial institutions and banks and and other very heavy users of our hosting infrastructure so security is extremely important to all parts of the fis organization um so we partner with the department of the homeland security in the us we partner with microsoft we partner with all the major players in in data security we've got all the security accreditation that we would you would typically expect that we share openly with our customers we invite third parties to perform penetration testing on our hosting environments for example um you know we are very very aware of the gdpr regulation um uh, we're very mindful of that we're very kind of also aware of customer expectation of data residency so you know post brexit for example very important to be able to offer UK and European hosting environments as an, as an example, as well as in the other, other parts of the world. So security hosting, you know, all comes down to that one strategy around how do we ensure customers can make the most of our platforms and the most of our technology, but equally we can absolutely guarantee the, the safety of customer data. Why ask your question? It's a little bit more difficult, uh, Andrew, and, but I'll give you a little bit of a, perhaps a, a way to answer it as well. So <laughs> what would you say? I mean, we've talked, we've sang a lot of praise about the FIS system. This episode is not sponsored by FIS, <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> the, the, so I want to delve a little bit into and, and try to give a bit of a balanced view mm -hmm. as well. So what would you say are the, the limitations of the system today? And, and maybe one way, like I said, to, to sort of give you a thread to perhaps go down. And um, there's a lot of, the FIS is one of the biggest providers uh, in, in the market, right? Um, but there's a lot of uh, young, new uh, startups and fintechs out there that are perhaps, you know, uh, looking at niche fringe mm -hmm. cases that are perhaps a little bit more applicable, that perhaps it's just not the area that FIS wants to play in. A lot of the time from these uh, 
challengers in the market, um, new trends emerge, mm-hmm. right? Or new solutions emerge, which define the market. Um, do you see anything that like you say, oh, this is like where we see the market might be heading towards because of some new new innovations that have come around that we are looking to perhaps go down towards or we don't have yet? Is there anything like that you could comment on? Yeah, um, there is. And you're quite right. This is not sponsored by FIS, but I will try and spin a challenging question into a positive answer, of course. Um, so, um, <laughs> yes, that, 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 and that's, that's exactly right. That, you know, there are a lot of startups, more nimble players. You know, there's a lot of benefits of FIS, but obviously it's a very large organization and um, you will always find a few negatives with large organizations as well. So you have to take the positives and, and negatives together. So the new startups can can drive, can influence the market, can program quickly, can get a product out quickly and start to influence the expectation of the market. And that's especially relevant now in, you know, over the over recent times with um, geopolitical volatility, interest rate volatility, you know, that in times that we're living in today, a treasurer's job was relatively, I won't say easy, but was less complicated than it is today a few years ago. Whereas now all these other risks that you need to factor in. And so we're seeing a lot of new players in the market around um, optimizing working capital and, and, and um, real, very nice liquidity management as a result of this world that we live in today. Um, you know, understanding what your liquidity looks like in the future and stress testing that depending on certain events. I mean, that's there's a lot of new players who, who are doing that and that is something that we we also now have a clear strategy on so we have a, a an, an internal program around that but to your point there was you know probably a couple of uh names that i can think of in much smaller fintechs that are emerging in different parts of the world who were really leading with some of this but to put the positive spin on, on the end of that the, uh, the we also live in a highly acquisitive world so the treasury world, the treasury vendor space, everybody is being bought on a weekly basis by different people. And it becomes a, you know, a, the, the industry itself becomes volatile in terms of the ownership of, of these platforms. And that's one of the benefits that FIS has. Obviously, nobody's going to come in and buy FIS, but these small and nimble players that influence and have, you know, a nice offering initially generally find themselves being bought out by one of the larger players, you know, at some point down the road. But, but I think it's good to have this competition. It's really, that's what always excites me about this role is that you can't just rest on the laurels of a very capable treasury platform because tomorrow somebody's going to come out with something that the market really likes and all of a sudden people see it as really essential and we have to continually adapt very, very quickly, which is the exciting part of the role. So are you guys, do you guys have some sort of, I don't know, incubator program or, or something that you um, are uh, like working with these nimble startups to sort of develop solutions uh, or, or anything like this? Because a lot of big banks are doing that, for example, in other parts of yeah. fintech. Yeah, for sure. So there are parts of what we have in our vision for the platform that we are delivering ourselves. But there are other parts where we said, well, actually, this nimble startup has already done it. Why would we go and reinvent something similar let's just work directly with that organization um so we're certainly doing that and that that is hugely beneficial beneficial to the startup you know they can then uh make the most of being 
or having access to a larger organization and all the benefits that brings and, and how customers get a benefit of instantly being able to integrate that newer capability into the integrity platform. To continue on, Ali, not the challenging questions, um, but one of the interesting points we, we would like to touch upon is mean, that's something we, we ask all the people working with system vendors that come on the show. What's, what's required to implement integrity? Um, what capabilities does the corporate need to have? We often see external consultants as well coming to help and support the implementation of such tool. What, mm -hmm. f from your perspective um, and from what you've seen with all the years at, at FIS, how long does it take to implement integrity and what does it entail exactly? That, that is the question we get asked every day and that is the hardest question to answer. Um, it really, um, when it comes to the implementation and it goes back to your, your earlier question on how do you evaluate technology? If you, you can only evaluate technology if you really understand the vision of your own business and exactly the new markets, the new processes, the new things you're going to have to tackle as you move ahead in your treasury function. So if you understand all of that, then you can map that into um, an implementation strategy. Now, we, we have sort of two flavors of implementation. So one is you are a smaller organization with a lack of resources, but you need technology. So we'll deliver a packaged approach. So ROI is very swift, um, costs are very low, but your decisions are limited because it's a, a very much a turnkey approach to delivering functionality. That doesn't limit you to what you might do in the future, but to get you started and off the ground, it's a very quick and easy, efficient way um, of, of delivering an implementation. However, for those organizations who really have a clear vision of exactly what they want to achieve with their treasury technology, what we do is we go through a very clear planning process with the customer before any contracts are signed so that the customer knows exactly what to expect and we know exactly what to, to deliver. Um, and what we're doing is we're not... I think the worst case scenario is generally where customers say, just come and replicate what I'm already doing, because then it limits the value of, of the delivery of the technology. So if we still work with a customer and say, what are you actually, what, what is challenging today? What you don't like today? What are you going to need tomorrow? And map that in so that by the end of each milestone, the treasury team can turn around and say, what we're doing now is far more efficient and delivering far more value than we had before then that becomes a success. But then there's a third element to it in terms of who's going to deliver the project. Um, so we offer flexibility. We have a very large accreditation process with delivery partners. Um, so many consultancies based all over Europe uh, can deliver integrity, um, but it's the customer's decision. Do they want to work directly with FIS professional services? Um, we have a very, very large integrity professional services organization. Do they want to work solely with a, um, a consultancy that they already have a relationship with, or do they want to have a hybrid approach? So it really is down to how the customer wants to work with their delivery team. Absolutely awesome. So in terms of resource needed to address that particular point, well, the, the correct answer is it depends, but obviously... <laughs> Obviously, you, as a corporate who is integrating any 
integrity. Who is implementing any system, whether it be TMS or trade finance specialist tool or payment factory, you will need some efforts, right? It cannot be completely hands off. Like guys, just come in my system, do everything, and please deliver me the, the end product. Um, so here again, maybe just beyond the, it depends on the size. What's a reasonable? What's a reasonable? Maybe not number, but I hope you see what I mean, Andrew. Like what does yes. it take on the corporate side? To say, okay, today we are either without a TMS or with a, an obsolete TMS. We would like to move to integrity. What does it take for somebody completely new to Treasury? What's what does it actually take? Yeah, it takes it takes um, a great degree of prioritization because generally, obviously, you are still performing a Treasury function, but you have then the added role and responsibility of supporting. An implementation and depending on your role you know you might only if you're an accountant you might only have to devote uh you know a, a, a much smaller proportion of your time to the overall project whereas if you are a treasury analyst getting involved in everything you may have to devote a, a higher degree of your time so what we do when we design an implementation is taking everybody's availability into consideration so our shortest implementation um, may take a couple of months, um, but then it will build up and up from there, depending on um, the size of the organization, the number of modules the organization uh, wants to utilize, um, the the training approach for the organization. So it can really vary between literally very short timeline to be up and running and live, if it's just cash and liquidity visibility. But if you're doing all the way through to front, middle and back office and, and everything else, all the risk and, and analytics on top, um, then you might be looking at a, um, a significant timeline. Um, but everything we, we put together is, is factored around availability of resource um, and key milestone dates. So if you, know, if you are literally um, turning off your, if you already have a treasury platform and if you're migrating to uh, or we like to call it upgrading to integrity then um you um you know we have to work back from certain dates so we have to say to the team we're working with it's going to be hitting cash and liquidity here foreign exchange here back office here accounting and hedge accounting here and we must stick to these dates because we have a, a deadline that, that we must achieve so all of that is very visible in the design up front um but then it comes down specifically to your question, what are the skills that the individual needs to bring to make this project a success? So not only must they obviously really understand their own role and responsibility within their organization very, very clearly, they must be able to translate what they're doing today into what they think technology should actually deliver for them. And we obviously assist in that understanding, but when we've mapped out that understanding, we've got to get the data together, the integration together, the, the, the workflow, the reporting analytics, every part of that process has to be specific to that organization's expectations. Um, and obviously we, we try and remove as many manual steps as possible and the customer needs to be happy with that. So it's, there's lots of factors that go into it, but we really ask for dedicated support from the cash manager, the accountant, the treasurer, um, if there's any IT support needed for sort of in in-house integration to other data sources, for example, just to make sure those people are available and take part of the relevant time 
to support the meeting of the project timeline. Makes a lot of sense. So perhaps not the hardest TMS to implement, but still is going to work. And, uh, and, and you'd probably need the person internally that has good connection with the right stakeholders to be able to make sure that they drive the change in behavior to meet and make the most of the, the new software capabilities that you'd be implementing in that stage. Andrew, take us past uh, integrity then. So I, I think that's a really good overview and I think we're pretty, we've covered pretty well what integrity is good for and, and the specifically why a treasury department implement it and, and how, uh, how we'd go about doing that. Um, tell us a little bit more about the other offerings that FAS has. So you mentioned about quantum, you mentioned that quantum is the more customizable solution uh, that FIS has. It's not, let's say cloud-based, it's locally um, deployed into the, the, the company's uh, infrastructure. What, what other differences would you say about quantum versus integrity? Is it just customization and SaaS element or are there other differences that might drive a company towards one or the other? Yeah, so um, uh, just to be clear on the hosting, so quantum can be hosted, it's just not a SaaS application, that's all. So it's dedicated hosted infrastructure for the customer. But quantum is an extremely capable treasury tool. So as an example, integrity will do the breadth of treasury workflow. Quantum will, of course, also do the breadth of treasury workflow, but to a very, very deep level. So as a simple example, if you want to run a value at risk calculation, there's one methodology which integrity will offer. Quantum will give you three methodologies. Um, if you want to capture option portfolios, Integrity has vanilla option portfolio capability. Quantum can offer a much more sophisticated level of financial instruments. So it really does go to a very, very sophisticated level of, of treasury management. So it's a, it's a tool which, um, you know, the, the world's largest, most complex treasury organizations utilize, um, and therefore it offers many, many options in terms of how you will utilize the, the capability and the functionality of quantum. So it's a, a very powerful tool offers a high degree of customization, but also with natural functionality goes to a very, very advanced level. Okay, so smart heavy duty tool for the for the company that wants to take the treasury department more seriously. Yeah, correct. yes, correct. Uh, yes, yes. I, I, I wouldn't tell our integrity customers that they don't take their treasury yeah. seriously. <laughs> no, just, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, very, very interesting. So, Sorry, then can we expand just a little bit more on that hosting point then? Because I'm interested now. So my understanding, and this is Corporate Treasury 101, no one's afraid of uh, not knowing stuff on this on this show. So that's the whole point of why people listen. So my understanding was that when you say SaaS, you say that, and this isn't really a treasury topic, but generally, when you say SaaS, you say that the software is, let's say web-based, for example, right? There'd be an online portal, I'd log in, that software and my data would be hosted somewhere in FIS or FIS owned servers, uh, which I would then just be tapping into. And then I wouldn't have to invest in my own infrastructure, my own servers, et cetera. I just need a really good internet connection. Um, it, did I get that part right? That's correct. Yes. It's, it's a true SaaS multi-tenant okay. application. Yeah. Okay. 
And then that's why I understood about quantum was that, no, I would have to host it in my servers. So I'd have to buy servers that were capable of hosting it with databases that were capable of hosting all the data. And then I would have it internally and I'd get to, some would say I'd get to own my data better or I'd have full ownership of my data. What, what's the what's the other part? No, so the um, so integrity is multi-tenant hosting in a SaaS environment. We can still host all quantum customers in FIS infrastructure, but it's not multi-tenant hosting. So, so if, if you so you're not sharing servers effectively, you know all the infrastructure okay. is dedicated to you as a customer. You have your own okay. private hosting environment. Whereas in integrity is multi-tenant, multiple customers on, on, on servers. But that being said, there's, okay. uh, you know, obviously the, the demand from the market is to, is to move all, all solutions to a, a SaaS type deployment. So there's strategies across all of our products to enable that going forward. So the quantum would be, can be hosted on FIS servers, but a dedicated server to Correct. that customer only. Whereas quant integrity or the typical SaaS model. Well, so does that mean like I can't delay? So my laptop is very far behind on its iOS mm -hmm. updates um, because it's my laptop, it's my server, right? I, I'm bad at it and I brought the, the, I brought the benefits of it and also the yeah, costs yeah. of it, right? Uh, but, but does that mean that like, you know, like an integrity server, if you guys choose to update, I everyone gets pushed the same update. On a quantum, I guess I have more ownership. That's over correct. Over that's, that's, like that, that's what time works for that's me. That's well, well explained. Uh, exactly that. So there are on integrity, there are two releases a year and the release schedule is fixed and every customer will, will release, will, will receive that release at the same time. Whereas with the quantum customers, they have much more control over when, when the new release will be applied to their environment. And like also, and again, um, I, I think everyone could trust FS's infrastructure, but if the integrity server goes down, everyone goes down at the same time. Uh, uh, that's well, correct. Right? But every integrity customer by default gets access to a production environment, a preview test environment and a disaster recovery environment. So there's immediate guaranteed failover from production to disaster recovery. If something should ever happen to our production environment. And I think that's also means just for, because now you got us Andrew, so now we are hooked into the quantum hosting SaaS, uh, <laughs> all discussion, but I believe that also means that when a company needs to update or have a review on this quantum system, they will need to go through not a whole implementation, but quite a heavy process, whereas integrity would be seamlessly updated. Am I correct in that? Or Yeah, so the integrity process is a seamless update with all of the, um, so the new version will get loaded onto the preview test environment well in advance so the customers can look at the new, the new version, new functionality, the new capability with all the documentation that goes with that. Um, when a customer on, on Quantum um, chooses to go through their upgrade, there is a, um, a handholding process effectively where our professional services will simply walk the customer through the new functionality so they're aware of um, how it works and there may be a little bit of testing based on what's been delivered if it's relevant to the customer um, so that they then become live on their production environment. 
Awesome. Thank you, Andrew, for going down that rabbit hole. That's, um, that's, that's <laughs> Please, no more rabbit holes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, we've got plenty of treasury topics to cover as well. We don't have to go into into uh, bi- uh, computing infrastructure uh, just yet. Super cool. But I mean, I guess a little bit on the computing infrastructure point, uh, Andrew, <laughs> the uh, real-time data, right? That's, that's something that's super uh, relevant for all treasures in all industries, across all industries nowadays. Uh, data is becoming a lot more seamless. Uh, we have access to more real-time data. People see the immediate benefits of that as well. Um, you mentioned APIs earlier and how you guys only deploy ready to go APIs. APIs being this technology that's sort of revolutionized our ability to connect different systems to each other and get that real-time data. What's the overall trend of TMSs towards real-time data and, and how is FIS expanding its capabilities there? So... I think to begin with, it was a bit of a buzzword, if we're all honest. Lots of people talking about it, not everybody really understanding the value behind it. But the more that the topic has evolved and the more that technology has evolved and the APIs can become part of a standard connectivity offering, the more important it is to make everything as close to real time as possible. So as an example of that, we rolled out the ability to connect an accounting entry from Integrity to an ERP via API. And you sort of thought initially, well, what's the point of sending an accounting entry in real time? Who cares? But when it gets to the end of the month and the accountants tell you we're under so much pressure to close the books now in T plus two, for example, um, and it used to be T plus five, any speed of process has huge value on that internal sort of drain of resource and pressure to get things done. So there's the element of, of efficiency gains from real time, but then there's also the element of making far better use of data. Um, so if you are receiving bank statements in, in real time, not everybody needs it, you know, it's not, you're not literally receiving a new statement every second, obviously, but it's kind of like, as you need it, it it's available. You're, you're calling your bank and it's in real time, your statement is available. And when you can consolidate all of that information in real time, so there's two elements to real time. One is getting the data from source system into the treasury platform. And then the other elements of real time is having that information immediately available to the user. So again, in some I'd say that's one of our differentiators because whether it's uh, online reporting, alerts, having the ability to create reports yourself on data that's just been received in the last second, um, there is no time lag in the integrity reporting. So can't talk for all other vendors out there, but with integrity, you can literally create reports and guarantee you're looking at the latest information. Um, which is which is really important. So that just means, I mean, when I think back to when I was in Treasury, my latest report would be my Friday bank statement and yesterday's information from my subsidiaries if I had if they'd been bothered to send me anything. Uh, and and today that information is immediately there. You know, when you're looking to manage over overdraft facilities, uh, counterparty exposure, optimizing credit facility headroom, all, all those sorts of things, then the impact on fees and general costs that, that, that the treasury team need to absorb. Um, over a year, 
that can be significantly reduced if you use data appropriately. That makes lots of sense, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. You touched upon quantum only, and well, obviously for the sake of the time of this episode, and you mentioned it earlier, we're not going to dive into all the solutions and softwares that FIS has to offer, even to the treasurers. But let's assume, which I trust is the case, that it also has a payment factory in the name of Tracks, for instance, or bank connectors or mm -hmm. any other systems. I would believe the one of the advantages to go with an FIS solution would be to have synergies, right, between the different systems. So do those synergies exist? Like, are there certain of them or benefits obtained when combining integrity with other products from SIS? Is there such a thing? Yeah, indeed. So the only two products you would never combine are integrity and quantum. Apart from that, products fit with one another. So as an example of that, so obviously many people in the market, especially those uh, who are payments experts, will have heard of Trax. Trax has evolved into a payment hub. And the payment hub can be the automated connectivity process and library that's going to immediately be able to connect your customer from sorry, our customer to the bank with the right routing, right formatting, uh, right protocol so that payments become as efficient as possible. And that is both, you know, whether you are connecting um, from either, either treasury platform. So, so what that means is Integrity has embedded payments capability and can connect directly to the bank and the payment hub that uh, um, that is now delivered utilizing tracks uh, as a service can also benefit like say our, our, our quantum user base so we now now have a tool that can sit across um, integrity or quantum that basically facilitates immediate uh, bank connectivity from a, a library approach. So that is what that is doing is taking the best from all of our bits of technology and basically embedding connectivity to ensure that the customer's experience is as simple and as seamless as, as possible. So if a customer comes and says, I need to make payment, I've got banks all over the world and I need to make payments in all the local formats and processes that each country insists on. Well, we now have a, a library structure that's going to facilitate our ability to do that. Um, so whether it's tracks and the payment hub with quantum, with integrity and its embedded ca payment capability and, and the payment library, but then evolving even further than that. So we've mentioned things like um, market data products and, and money market portals and so on. But then we have other customers who use our get paid solution for the, their order to cash process and driving the speed to account um, in a much more expedited way. So having having the ability to integrate from a an order to cash system so that from a treasury point of view, not only do you have control of your treasury process, you have control of your payables process, but now you also have visibility into your expected receivables. So rather than your receivables number being something that you can't really rely on, you hope it's accurate, but you don't really know, all of a sudden you've got a solution that the receivables team within the organization can use to drive the order to cash process and for it to be much more efficient and to extract that data and to use that within the treasury decision making. So there's lots of tools within FIS that really, obviously not every tool is relevant to every organization, but there's a range of capability that 
the customer can select depending on the business need within their treasury organization. Mm, makes lots of sense. Okay. And so to continue in that vein of maybe the little bit more challenging questions, Andrew, and to wrap up this episode. So some of the main ERP vendors um, also often offer integrated treasury modules, right? So yeah. are there benefits and or drawbacks to selecting a separate TMS system, such as integrity, or will there be stuff that indeed integrity cannot do because it's not directly part of the ERP system? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, a quick answer is there are many benefits to selecting a dedicated treasury platform such as integrity. But but I'll, I'll explain why. Uh, I know I'm not being facetious. I'll explain why uh, I say that. It's, it's very much around we see ourselves as a, a direct partner to an SAP or a Dynamics or, or an ERP. And that's because we see the, the, the value the ERP brings is significant. It's very sophisticated. It does the actual ERP role very, very well. When it comes to treasury, ERPs evolved into treasury. And so the treasury application or the feedback from the market is that the treasury applications generally do not give the same level of treasury sophistication because it was not originally designed to be part of the overall architecture. And sometimes the hosting is, isn't quite as efficient as, as a true SaaS application. So th there's various reasons as to why an ERP would not work for a treasury organization. And part of that as well, even though treasury solutions can offer a lot, they are standardized offerings. So implementation is generally very straightforward as, as we've discussed. That isn't always the case with an ERP uh, treasury application. But that is also why we embarked on this strategy of ERP connectivity. So we have a, a tool that's embedded into both integrity and quantum as an ERP connector. So if we have a customer that's an SAP user, we can simply connect to the, to SAP for their, their posting of accounting journals, for forecast information, for payments that need to be made, for example, via the API. So we, we're not trying to position ourselves against the ERPs. We're actually trying to actively work with the ERPs uh, and complement what, what they do on their side. So I have to say, Andrew, that you're very good at turning challenging questions into positive answers. So that's all for <laughs> that. A last one for you. Um, obviously, customer's feedback is one of the most important aspects, right, for people and system vendors and overall companies who want to improve their services, improve their products, go above and beyond. With, some, with something as heavy as a TMS, I'm thinking first integrity where you'd have multiple clients feedback, but then only one version of the product. So if you update it for one or multiple clients asking for something, you're also updating it for all the clients who didn't ask for that additional feature mm -hmm. or removal or something. But even maybe even for Quantum, where when a feedback would mean, oh yeah, but just customize it further. How does FIS uh, takes customer feedback into account for the development of new features or fixing of bugs or whatever it might be? Uh, when it comes down mm -hmm. to customer's feedback. Mm -hmm. So in terms of development and what goes into the roadmap, we have a tool that is available to all of our customers where customers can freely add in their own ideas. What, what do I want to see in integrity? And then customers also have the ability to vote. So if you put an idea 
into our ideas toolbox. I might see it, I might like it, I'll vote on it, somebody else might vote on it. If it gathers momentum, that will go up the priority list into our development queue. So we actively encourage our customers to become part of the assessment of what should be going on to the roadmap. Obviously, in addition to that, there's general market expectation, regulation, um, you know, all, all the usual things which will, it, which will dictate a roadmap. So that, that's part of it. We want our customers to be engaged, but we also make sure that we, we have sessions, face-to-face -face sessions with, with our customers. Um, so we've been to a number of cities during the year this year, met locally with, with the customer groups within the, those countries and literally have closed door sessions. Some of those sessions, we will sit outside for a couple of hours and say, um, to the customer group, you just discuss what you want, what you like, what you don't like. It's not always about functionality. It could be about anything. It could be about, I had an issue with my help desk or, or you know, it could be about any topic at all. And we're quite open to, to discussing all those, those points, obviously. But when it comes to, you know, if like you, you mentioned there was a bug, for example, we have very, very strict SLAs within our organization. We can resolve all issues. Uh, I'd like to think pretty efficiently because we have this SaaS operations team run from London that is our customer support and our infrastructure support. So all tickets come through, whether it's, you know, piece of functionality might not be doing what a customer thinks it ought to be doing. Maybe there's um, an issue on the infrastructure somewhere, somebody can't log in for some reason. Whatever the issue is, it comes through to our support center and depending on the level of severity will dictate exactly how much resource gets applied to that. You know, if it's literally can't log in, well, that's business critical. So we aim to resolve that in, in an extremely sharp time frame. You know, if it's something that, you know, I, I need an additional field on my report or the name isn't quite right or something, and it's not really a functional problem, then that's obviously a lower priority. And, and then that's sort of um, given a bit longer to resolve. So, so we drive, we drive contact with the customers at a roadmap level. We drive contact with the customers at a face-to-face -face level, just to literally discuss. And we also support all those discussions with our SLAs uh, that we agree with the customers um, when they come on as a customer. Andrew, thank you so much for taking us through all of that. Um, is there anything that you would like to share about any of the topics we've touched on that perhaps we, you didn't get the opportunity to talk about? No, I, I think we've I think we've covered a lot. I think I think we could filled a, another exactly the same time frame again, going into a bit more detail on some of these things. But um, I mean, it's just a, a very exciting place to be. FIS has got a lot of products. Um, you know, it's an, an acquisitive organisation, so we're always sort of looking at new things to bring to the market and to our customers. So you know, as we've discussed, partly developed, partly working with partners, solution partners. So as far as I'm concerned. FIS is the leading uh, leading fintech for for many reasons. Super good. That means we've done our job well. Then that uh, you know, <laughs> no, don't tempt us with the second episode. Like, we'll, to, we'll hold you to that for sure. Awesome. So uh, just to close up, then, Andrew, if our listeners want to hear more about you, Integrity, Quantum, TMS as solutions overall offered by FIS, where should they go? What's the best point of contact? Um, so. Very welcome to reach out to me. I'm on LinkedIn, as you'd expect. So very, very easy to reach out to me or to send me an email. 
andrew.winders at fisglobal.com or on the FIS website, there's the ability to contact FIS directly uh, and then the relevant business line will respond. But very happy to just connect with all of your listeners in any way they wish. Awesome. We'll have a link to your LinkedIn in the show notes. Right then. Andrew, thank you so much. Thank you very much. 